0: Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I was hoping to hit record in time to hear Suki's laugh, but he held back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there we go we're here
0: oh dr suki welcome thank you so so much for your time
1: oh thank you I was when you reached out i was so excited
0: oh. well i know i tell listeners this all the time and i'm going to say it again now that we will include in the show notes all of the places and books and spaces to find all things suki and awesome. We are going to riff today on things that I can't easily find out about you because the journey that has been you and I is something that is so incredibly special to me. And in preparation for this podcast, I was putting questions together of like, what do I really, really want to know from Suki today? And I think that that just is the perfect conversation to have.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: So I'm not even going to go into the intro. You have so many hats and so many labels and, and that's just it. There are so many labels that I could label you. And what I want people to know is that I refer to you as a dear friend. I refer to you as a once upon a time chiropractor that changed people's lives. And now you're so much more than that. And just before we hit record, you said that you were taking quantum physics into digestible nuggets and I'm like who are you now (laughs) so you're also this unknown being and I want you to tell us who you are Suki
1: yeah you know for me the biggest way I could define that is ultimately I'm a student of life Mm. and I believe that life is our greatest teacher Mm. you know I spent time in school and practice and have done worn many hats and ultimately it's fascinating because when we look at people's hats from the outside we all look at it from a preconceived notion
2: Mm.
1: and I say I'm a student of life because that's my polite way of saying shit happens Mm. all the time Mm -hmm. and yeah, sure, in the sort of outer world, it may look like I've achieved one or two things. And ultimately, it's a journey and it's a process. And I still get out of bed days where I'm a husband, I'm a father of two daughters, eight and five years old. And I can sit here and tell you, I want to be the best husband, father, human being. And I'll also tell you, there's days I want to throw in the white towel.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, ultimately, I really mean that. I believe that life is our greatest teacher. Mm. And what shows up in our life is the next thing that is a part of our evolution and growth. Mm. And, you know, as we were talking about before we hit record, I really have been on this journey of self-discovery and self-exploration now for 29 years. And obviously there's a motivation for that and you know this stuff, but for me it was, yeah, I hit rock bottom when I was 18 years old. Mm. And what that does is it creates a very, very unique lens in how you navigate through life. And until I met my wife, Kate, it actually created a very lonely journey Mm. because you know, I spent over a decade in post-secondary school and I just found it so difficult to one, connect with people that weren't raised on my side of the tracks, mm. but then two, hadn't been through what I'd been through. And you know, if, if you meet anybody I went to school with, they actually know nothing about my past because I never spoke about it. Mm. It was literally all bottled up And it wasn't until I'd left school and then really got into my late 20s and early 30s that what I say is true power began to emerge, which is more authenticity and vulnerability. Mm. Whereas before I felt like I really had to put a face on and really that face, you know, for the first few decades of my life had to do a lot with a lack of self-acceptance, a lack of self-love and a lot of pain and a lot of regret because all my 20s was really a deep, deep healing journey for me based on what I kind of went through in my first two decades.
2: Mm.
1: So, you know, it's ironic. I went into the helping arts of healthcare, Mm. two levels, you know, I could really feel people's pain Mm. because I'd been there. And then two, I authentically wanted to help people want to help people because you know, I still say at 47, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up.
0: <laughs> I mean, I have not met an entrepreneur that knows how to do as many things as you do. And um, there is an unattachment with you that you experience so committed, so deeply, deeply committed wherever you are and yet completely unattached. You're like, I'm all in on this. And I don't care where it's going. I'm all in on this modality, on this nutrition plan, on this, you know, love program. I don't know where it's going to take me. And it's a really beautiful thing to witness. And the problem being your friend on the outside is that when you say, let's go for coffee, I have this thing to talk to you about. I'm like, it's going to be my new thing. (laughs) I'm all all in. (laughs)
2: That's awesome. um,
0: Well, I must share that our journey began training for what was my first ultra and we were on the trails in a training group and your wife at the time was just your girlfriend who you just Oogled over the whole time, and you know, you had a younger practice at the time, which is also crazy to think about. And we were in a group of probably like 20 people, maybe more actually. Oh, I
1: I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember,
0: but I what I was going to say was that in this group that was quite large, I remember that you and I were like magnets, and I just didn't want to leave your tail. It's like, tell me everything you're a professional hockey player, and then, and then, and then what did you do, and then, and what did you? eat for breakfast and when I was getting excited about this i was like wow I feel the same way today as I vividly remember feeling on that trail run that I just couldn't ask you enough questions I couldn't get enough out of you and you had a story for it all so and, yeah
1: and my my lens of that was she's a special being ah and, and I just I could just like you know my whole world is just like energy and vibes and I was like she's she's a special soul and wow. I just like, it, 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 there was just a, I don't know, there was a connection there. And I think we're going back like 16 years,
0: I was going to say more than 15,
1: 17. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. say six. Cause I was training for a hundred mile ultra marathon. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think you were training for a 30 mile ultra marathon. <laughs> is that correct?
0: That is so true. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. yeah it was just you oh. know yeah it, it was just a special time and it uh, it's amazing when you're able to make those and you know our lives have just been like throughout oh. you know the months and years we've always connected and stayed in touch oh. it's actually been a beautiful dynamic that I've never told you that I just am so grateful for to know you
2: oh
0: well thank you I really hear that and receive it because the feeling is so mutual and what I wanted to say after that training run you know we went on and did fun things together and a notable race we've had many I would say was at Ironman Canada together when we were running we both were having absolutely horrible days but the moment I remember so vividly is running by Kate on the sidelines and you just looked like death you are not a happy
1: <laughs> I was that was that was a tough Tough day.
0: But, you know, Kate, we ran by and Kate said, I'll see you at the finish line. And we kept running and she turned to the person who she was with and she said, they'll be okay. They're together. And I I was like, I wish we were going so slowly that we could have heard that. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just such a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I was like, Kate knows that we're going to be okay, and we know that we're going to cross the line. It just felt like nothing else mattered in that moment. And that to me was kind of indicative of how this journey has gone. The moments of like, it just doesn't matter. And it, it is so much about who you have along the way. And I love that you mentioned Kate right at the beginning because she's been such a beautiful, critical piece of the journey puzzle. Okay, you've said some things, though. I want to dive right in. Can I ask questions?
1: Okay. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: and I hope the context is just, it's a reminder to say who... Were you with 17 years ago that you need to reach out to and just say thank you for being there? Because that's what's brought us to today. And that I think is really cool. So the podcast ends here for all of our listeners. Go think about where you were, who you were with 17 years ago, and send them a love note. And then fast forward 17 years, here we are. And you mentioned loneliness and spending the first two decades of your life in a bit of a lonely place. Mm -hmm. now i know that you spend time in solitude even as a husband and a business owner and a father i know you still find your own moments of solitude and i want to know your relationship with loneliness versus solitude
1: Hmm. wow that's that's a very powerful question loneliness is fascinating because when we have the desire to be with people because we're lonely, we're actually running from the actual thing that's holding us back. When one chooses solitude, they're actually moving towards the person they're becoming.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So for me, it was a shift from having that need and desire to have others around. And, And ultimately that came down to self love and self acceptance where You're so uncomfortable, should say you, I am so uncomfortable in my own skin, I don't wanna be with it. So I need outside in stimulation to distract me from what's ultimately holding me back. And as I started healing and processing and working through that, then ultimately, you know, solitude is the time that's the juice. That's the creativity. That's when, you know, my soul speaks to me. That's when the big audacious things begin to emerge because I've quiet down the noise of my life. You know, as we mentioned, you know, I've been a meditator for three decades now. And when you turn off the noise and it's like sensory deprivation to your nervous system, it's like going into a float tank. And then you do that and you cultivate it every single day. And, you know, I have a saying, it's not eye on the prize. It's eye on the process because there's nowhere to get to. Mm-hmm. And the process is the day in day out. And for me, one of the things is, is when I cultivate and nurture more and more solitude and connection with myself, I'm living a life that's aligned with my values. And values and emotions are two very interesting things. These are things I teach upon mentor upon. They're really big. And I say, when we're really connected to who we are, our emotions drive us in the direction of our dreams, our goals, our aspirations in our becoming. When we are disconnected, our emotions do the opposite and in my first two decades, I come from a history of addictions. If you don't believe that st- statement, just ask an addict, an addict, what does an addict want to do? You know, I'd pretty much been on drugs every day from age 12 to 18. And having addictions, that's all they want to do. So their emotions, like they just want the next hit. Whereas knowing and what I understand now from an endocrine glandular system, Steph, it's biologically impossible to feel on fire every day because all of our hormones, all of our biochemistry, all of our glands, we have something called the ligand system, so I won't get too sciency, but our neuropeptides, neurotransmitters, and hormones are cyclical. It's like we have four seasons, and knowing we have four seasons, when the leaves fall off the trees and fall, we don't try to tape them back on. <laughs> we let them run their course it's the same thing with our emotions because of our biology it's impossible to be mesmerized by the view on top of the mountain we will eventually go down into the valley yet when we stick to the process when we understand our emotions are deceiving us and we double down on our values in the valley that's ultimately where the growth and evolution comes and ultimately that leads to higher and higher mountaintops with new vistas and new views and to me that's the ultimate journey of life
2: Mm.
1: however that shows up as a parent as a husband as a human being as a healthcare practitioner entrepreneur whatever everything i'm a part of it's that process and that journey day in and day out Mm.
0: Okay, you say values and emotions, I'm gonna rip mm-hmm. off of this. Yeah, I want yeah. to know your relationship with uncovering your values, and staying true to them. And frankly, that's also said, you know, it's messy. Tell me what it's like when you're not in line. Tell me what it's like when it goes off course.
1: Yeah. Here's something to have sure.
0: values over emotions. Let's go values Because okay. values Let's... are chosen.
1: Yes. So I believe our time here in life is finite. You're not wrong. One of the things that I do every single year is I write a eulogy for me Mm. and what that does staff, it helps me understand what's important and what matters most. Mm. It's not that shiny ride or shoes or purse or house or whatever, whatever. Those are fleeting that will come and go. Happiness doesn't come from that, but ultimately. What do I want to leave in the hearts and minds of those people that have crossed my path? That's where I've derived my values. Mm -hmm. And then understanding that, how do I need to take care of my Mm mind-body-temple to have the vehicle that can live up to those values? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a real example. I felt pretty tired on Sunday. I woke up yesterday and I worked for several hours and I just came home. I didn't train. I doubled down on some meditation. I took a nap. I went to bed really early. I just kind of honored the biorhythm of my body. And then this morning, I had a little more energy but not full energy. So then what I did was I said, well, I took yesterday off and that was helpful. But for me, I have a rule. I don't miss two days in a row. So even if I need to modify, I will. So I modified my bike session, got through it. And then magically, after getting some nutrition in, I had more energy. I actually recorded a podcast earlier this morning. And then after that, I went for a swim and had even more energy. But I really didn't want to go for that swim.
2: Mm.
1: It's like every cell within me was saying, dude, just chill out. Chill out on the couch. Don't do that. You know, just like, it's this constant tug of war. So for me, I want to have as much vitality and energy as humanly possible so I can do the things that I'm meant to do. But I always say our voids drive our values. And this is one of the big things. I've had the gift of losing my health had a nervous breakdown. I hit rock bottom. I live with anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue at 18. So I know what it's like when you don't take care of this, what'll happen. I have that visceral experience. And I spent many years trying to run away from that. And that's kind of like running away from loneliness mm. versus... Creating my days. I call masterpiece days. I line them up with what I call am and p.m. Bookends Those are the parts of my day. I can control. I've got eight five-year-old daughters (laughs) You know, I've got lots of things on my plate professionally Personally, I have protocols that I love to plug in every single day but my am and p.m. Bookends are my hours in the day that I get to plug in the things that help me move towards feeling more connected, having more vitality, having more energy. As a result, I have the ability to be present, be focused, use my prefrontal cortex to make critical decisions so I can live up to what I wanna leave in the hearts and mind of all those that cross my path. Mm. And when I'm on fire and connected, it's easy. You know, think about it. It's just like, oh yeah, we're on fire here. And then we all go through phases of that. Yeah. And then we get to these lower phases. And I'll tell you right now, this is what I believe. If the valleys would eventually go away, I'm pretty sure after 29 years of being this dedicated to the path, mm. that they would be gone. So through deductive reasoning, I have to say, I just get better and better and better at managing them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And that's just it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, my values are, if you ever study anything like, I read books written by like Marcus Aurelius, Mm. you know, one of the greatest emperors, Roman Empire, and he had virtues and he lived by his virtues. So they're constantly, he's able to align himself with what he stands for in the world. Mm
2: -hmm. It
1: makes one's ability to make decisions very easily. Mm. Because you now actually have a demarcation of where you can say, hey, that's aligned with who I authentically am and not. And here's the cool thing, we're all different. We look different, we talk different. We see the world differently we have different perceptual lenses and that's the juice of life Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i believe the more of us that connect to that part of ourselves within us i believe the more beautiful the more connected the more whole the world becomes Mm -hmm. because we don't need a bunch of clones out there Mm -hmm. we need people finding who they are and expressing more of that in the world
0: heck yes (laughs) absolutely (laughs) So we speak of the past. There's a reality that we live in right now. And you speak of it beautifully. You're a father. You're a professional on so many levels. And distraction is real. So you speak of AM and PM bookends, but I want Mm -hmm. to know your relationship with distraction. And what is it? Do you go with it? When do you hold back from it? What do you do with distraction?
1: Yes. So, I mean, right now I've got, my phone in my hand right here okay so a lot of people don't know this but these things were designed to copy what slot machines do oh yes because they understand the dopamine hit as you scroll through the feeds of different things so for me things like technology things like all the things out there that want to distract me from my work is i give myself permission every day To do the distractions Mm. and then as a result like i talk about you know i have numbers and these Mm. certain numbers mean things to me and one of them is a digital shutdown x amount of time before bed
2: Mm. now
1: sharing it with some docs i mentor i say two hours before bedtime i have a digital shutdown
2: Mm.
1: well what i had to do when i knew i was addicted to my phone was i had to go downstairs walk to a cabinet on the other side of the house put it in there underneath clothes, close the drawer and walk back to where our living space was. I essentially found the furthest place inside my home to put my phone. And I would find myself (laughs) during my PM bookend walking to go get my phone because I just had to check something. But eventually on my journey there, I'd be like, oh, so again, I had to make it as difficult as humanly possible you know if like i was addicted to drugs i didn't leave drugs in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean i made it yeah. really really difficult to access them yeah. in order to break the pattern to break yeah. the habit yeah so when it comes to distractions it's making a decision to decide is to cut off one side mm. and so when you cut off one side then you're de- i decide i'm going to do this then all of a sudden then I set up my life to help me succeed yeah. with doing that. So do we have, to and then I allow myself, if I wanna go on social media and check things out here and there, I will. And the fascinating thing with that, that went from being hours to minutes a day
2: because mm-hmm. you
1: just didn't care for it anymore. Yep. And you're, you're, you're able to really, really shift that.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: was addicted to TV two and a half decades ago Same sort of thing. It's Mm. like I would just sit down, grab the remote, hit the button, flick it on. And then I just realized it was just, it wasn't serving me. So ultimately, I had to make a decision to be like, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. And again, if you want to have a great day tomorrow, it actually starts with a great evening. Mm. How you do that, you know, turning off the blue lights, four hours before bed, I typically don't get any food in my belly. Mm. And you know, I track and measure way too many things. So it's like, when I have data to actually show me what different things do, it also makes me more accountable to those Mm. things. And I'd say, you know, I'm not 100%. I'm about 85% accurate in nailing what I put in place. And to me, that's pretty good. If eight and a half out of 10 times I can nail it, I'm good with that.
0: And for my friends that are listening, a Suki eight and a half is a rest of the world, 12 and a half out of 10. So (laughs) we won't follow that, but we will take note. You know, there is something definitely to be said for how we eat and when we eat in relation to when we go to bed and our relationship with screens. And I like that you say social media, but really it's our phone because what else are you doing on your phone? Whether it's you know you name it but phones are a distraction Mm -hmm. and yeah they need to be hidden and even for the most disciplined committed person in the world Suki is still an addict that will hide his phone so that it is not easily accessible and it's so human I think that's so beautiful I remember hearing about hamsters and hamsters exist to only find food And the reason humans make hamster cages so complex is because their existence is to find food and they must spend 10 hours a day trying to find food. And I think that as humans, we try to complicate our lives. It doesn't need to take us 10 hours to find food. There's so many other ways we can spend our days. And that's what you just made me think of. I'm like, right. You don't need to hide your phone like hamster. There's there's validity there. Hmm. Okay. I have one more question. Yeah, It's about frequency. You mentioned frequency. You mentioned before we jumped on actually about how everything is frequency and that which is positive or negative. And I couldn't help but think of the radio station that you're tuning into. Obviously it's a frequency yet you only need to turn the dial one decimal point and it can go from super fuzzy to super clear. And I think sometimes we forget that the tuning can be so small and the frequency can be so enormously adjusted. Mm. So when you speak of frequency, I just can't help but wonder what is your relationship to the smallest shifts in your life that make some of the biggest impact?
1: My relationship to those things is pretty much my life in a nutshell. Mm. If today you looked at everything I did and I showed you it would overwhelm like from a place of like what I do to cultivate my health, my vitality, my connection to myself. Most people would be like, Oh my God, like I wouldn't even know where to start. But what people don't understand is that one would never leave their home in their morning without brushing their teeth
2: hmm.
1: because who wants to walk around with their mouth smelling like someone's butt? you know it's like you just kind of do it it's something we've done since we were children we brush our teeth and that's just what we do every morning Mm. and so there's immense wisdom there because all we've really done is we've automated something Mm. and so when we automate something it doesn't require what's called our conscious thought our prefrontal cortex i say every day it's like we have a box of matches and every time we have to think we light a match. And then at the end of the day, there's no matches left. And it's a lot more difficult to make a decision end a day versus early in the day. So for me, it's like one little thing, brushing my teeth, taking ownership, automating it, mastering it. Then I add another, everything that I've done Steph, has been as simple as brushing your teeth, aggregated and compounded over. 29 years. Mm. That's it. There's not been one big thing. Mm. It's like when I started measuring heart rate variability before anyone knew what it was 13 years, 14 years ago, I just measured it for six months. I'm just going to measure this damn thing because I'm still learning about what it does, how it relates to vagal tone, et cetera, et cetera. But once I started measuring it, and being like, Oh, that's interesting. When I did X, my HRV did this when I did Y, my HRV did that. And then for one week, I would plug in X and then see what my HRV did. It's like literally that small. Mm. And that that small thing would be like, I'm gonna not eat minimum 60 minutes before I go to bed and see what that does with my HRV. And that's how I kind of developed my AM PM bookends, all the things that I do from the moment I get up and it's to the point that I'll say in my AM and PM bookends, I do not burn a single match. Everything is automated from my training. Like everything's in place, literally brush my teeth, wash my face, walk out, grab either my shoes, my bike, bike shorts, hop on. The training app I use, it's already dialed in, already know my training, like I haven't even thought. Like there has not been, it's not like I wake up, be like, hmm, what do I feel like doing today for training? Like I have automated so much of my life, and here's the key, it's compound interest. It's aggregated and compounded over time. Everybody wants the magic pill, the secret. What is that one thing? There is no one thing, (laughs) that's the reality. There is no one thing you're going to keep searching for that magic pill and that magic bullet because it doesn't exist. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it must be so simple. Otherwise, nobody will do it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. If I make it difficult, I can't do it. I can't incorporate. My life is too full.
0: Yeah.
1: Like your life is too full. But if I give you this one little thing that you can do and invite you to do that over the next several weeks. And the other thing I'll say too, 100% is easy, 99% is hard. Mm. And what that means is when I make a commitment and it's 100%, it's seven days a week. Mm. If I say to myself five days a week, Mm. then every single morning, my whiny little voice is gonna negotiate with me, like today's the day off. And then I'm gonna go back and forth, back and forth. But if I say 100% every day, Then i have no choice Mm -hmm. i don't have to burn a match because i have i made the decision to do it every single day
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so again it's setting those parameters and allowing yourself to really plug those things in that allow you to move yourself forward
0: i love knowing
1: you're gonna hit the valley too
0: yeah Yeah. amen amen well i love (laughs) and i think you bring up such a great point that as children, we learn to brush our teeth and it doesn't become a habit we really need to think about. We just start doing it. And so I think if I was a child, I always think, you know, what would little Steph want to do? And what could I wake up and not, not, not do that day? And when I was young, it was swim. I never missed a swim practice. The rule Mm -hmm. of thumb was a hundred percent attendance. And those are things that just, you know, have felt so ingrained and I don't want to lose as an adult, the opportunity to ingrain habits with the same joy. I mean, these habits were not difficult to maintain them. It was not hardship. It was pure joy to Mm. get to the pool on time, to brush my teeth in the morning, to set my goals, to do those kinds of things. So I think it's a really neat opportunity. I have another question though, as you were riffing. I'm not sure if you'll even be able to answer this one (laughs) because you are, and I love this so much about you, that your ability to measure everything, everything. I mean, for my friends listening, I've never met anyone who knows how to measure everything like Suki knows how to measure everything. (laughs) And this is coming from a hippie who doesn't really measure anything.
2: Um, I love it.
0: I just want to know if there's anything in your world that can't be measured and you can better. So is there anything that you have a benchmark of bettering without measuring?
1: Absolutely.
0: This goes out to the hippies. This goes out to the people that think you're so on the moon, Suki. And I'm like, no, my friends stay with us. You can get there too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The thing that I want to better and the thing I can't measure is raising my girls it is the most humbling raw authentic journey and i always say what i don't work on myself is brought up in my girls and kate says the same thing it's just our stuff being projected and it doesn't look so refined in a five and eight year old and you know in the past you know Yeah, one and four-year-old, two and five, et cetera, et cetera, and and seeing that. And holy, it is one of the most challenging journeys Mm. being a parent. And at least for me, it was a dream. My dream was to get married, to have a family, to have children. Like everything beyond that is bonus round. Wow. Like ultimately, you know, when you come from the life that I came from, that was actually a very audacious dream to not have to walk down the street and look over your shoulder that was a dream oh. you know for me and my family to be safe in public that was a dream so that is just just when you think like all right things are moving good there's good conversations there's good vibes having there's a meltdown. There's, you know, conflict, violent conflict between the siblings. There's <laughs> just, you know, you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. Oh, so I mean, that's the thing that I don't believe is measurable. And this is how I view parenting I view parenting as a 20 year date.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after two decades, my daughters will decide if they want me in their life. Mm. So I don't take the process and the journey lightly. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow. I got, I just got goosebumps because I think as a new dog owner and I cannot compare my dog to a child at all. My brother had a child at the same time I got a dog. And so I recognize these are two very different relationships. And yet this puppy is showing me what it is to love. This puppy is showing me that, he's so naughty and I love him even more and it's not my time and my schedule it's his time Mm. and his schedule and I'm here to be of service to that so I think we'll go on a lot of journeys this little pup and I but he's here to teach me something that's for sure so that's awesome okay our final question for real this time we wrap every podcast the time goes by too quickly is what is currently making your heartbeat faster my friend
1: What's made my heartbeat faster for a very long time is this notion of actualize. To actualize mm. is to make real. And I spent my professional life understanding the potential that lives within all of us. So for me, it's not about me, but it's actually seeing it in others. Mm. For others, making real what's possible for them. Mm. And it makes my heart swell with joy. It makes my head hit the pillow every single night. And I've really dedicated my life to the service of that.
2: Mm.
1: And for me, it's not work. It is what I get to do Mm. day in and day out and finding new creative ways of actually doing that. That's really what makes my heartbeat.
2: Ah,
0: thank you so much. I appreciate you. I adore your work. I'm so glad that you're the human you are. And I'm so glad you chose to show up for that trail run 17 years ago.
2: Please give Kate. (laughs) Yes,
0: give Kate and your girls the biggest squeeze. Your youngest will always hold a very special place in my heart because it was the last Ironman we did together. And you showed up on the start line and said, Kate's pregnant. This is it. And so... (laughs) (laughs) I will always hold that, you know, looking at your littlest to just know that that was a special moment in time. And I'm excited for the next 17 years. Thank you for the reminder of process over
1: prizes. Awesome. Thanks, Steph.